You're listening to the Video Marketing Podcast, helping you go a little more viral every day. Here's your host, Matt Johnston. Thank you so much for being here. Excited to welcome you into another episode of the Video Marketing Podcast. Today is a particularly exciting one for me today because what I'm going to share with you today is the full introduction to my book, Producing Empathy. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a book I'm really proud of and a lot of people are already getting a lot of wins with this. And it makes me extremely happy. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a book, of course, if you... Uh, if you've heard me speak about this at all, you know it's a book that uh, teaches you how to go viral on social media with your video content. I've driven over 10 billion views during my career um, as uh, a, a top editor at Business Insider and uh, running the video at New York Magazine and Men's Health, Women's Health, Prevention, all the Rodale properties, and I built three new lifestyle channels at Now This. All of this is to say... Uh, I like to think that I know what I'm talking about, and I've built a system for virality with social video online. And and I'm really excited to share with you today uh, the introduction to the book. Uh, the audio book is just about to release. Uh, it will release in the next 24 hours if you're listening to this podcast on Friday, March 13th. And I decided that what the heck? I'm going to go ahead and share the entire introduction. And there is a lot of value here in this introduction. A lot of the theoretical groundwork for what I actually teach you how to do in the book. Uh, and also a lot about me, where I came from, and how I developed these systems. Um, as well as an awesome story I start the book out with uh, where where I talk about how uh, me and my team made a video get all the way up to 135 million views on Facebook and Instagram at the time. So I'm I'm very, very excited to share this with you. Uh, please enjoy and let me know if you have any questions about anything. Without further ado, here is the introduction to Producing Empathy. The most viral video I ever made happened in 2016. I was the executive producer at New York Magazine, managing a staff of about 12 to 14 people. My producers were making two to three socially optimized videos per day, churning out high-quality, shareable, mesmerizing videos like little virality machines. We had it down to a science, but that still didn't prepare us for that little piece of unexpected magic that happened on July 1st, 2016. It was mid-afternoon and we were going about our daily business. I was always feverishly checking the performance of videos as they were posted to social platforms. But today, I saw something different. A video of ours had been posted about 20 minutes earlier, and as I embarked on my obsessive endeavor to check performance, I saw a number that shocked me. 80,000 views? In 20 minutes? How was that possible? It was one of those moments you live for when you're in the world of online content. If you've ever been there, you understand that feeling. You keep hitting the refresh button, and the rate the view count is going up continues to get quicker and quicker and quicker as time passes by. First a million, then five million, then 10, 20 million. It was spreading like wildfire across the internet, scorching every piece of organic and paid content in its path, blistering through Facebook with breakneck speed and getting faster by the millisecond. 
Only after two days of watching this video did it finally slow, resting at that time at a cool 85 million views. That same video posted on that exact day in that exact same post now has 135 million views as of this writing. And it took us 45 minutes to make it. That's the power of what I call the hero system. And I'm going to teach you how to wield it in this program. Like many remarkable moments, it began decidedly unremarkable. This video's journey started just like any other video. One of my producers went into our chat room, pitched a story. This particular story had extremely magnetic, mesmerizing visuals that we thought we could get access to. It was one of those stories I obviously approved right away because I knew that the footage at the heart of the story had massive viral potential. It was the kind of footage where as soon as you see it, your eyes get wide and you're both confused and amazed at what you're watching. The perfect recipe for virality is that you can't look away. Now, did I know at that time that it would be the most viral piece of content I would ever be a part of? Absolutely not. Imagine coming upon a video in your Facebook or Instagram feed that was clearly a close-up of a very colorful frog. Not that exciting, right? Think again. Despite how eerily lifelike this frog looked, there was something just not quite right about it. You couldn't put your finger on it, though. You stop scrolling, peer into its beady little eyes, entranced by its neon blue and yellow colors. Still, something is not right here. For a moment, you're captured. You've been held hostage by a seemingly simple Facebook video, and your chance of scrolling any further is squashed. All of this happens in a fraction of a second. Your intellectual mind doesn't have time to process any information or conjectures about what you might or might not be looking at. All you can do is look. You're caught in the Death Star's tractor beam. You don't know or even care how it works. No time for thinking. You just know that you're caught and going to be dedicating at least another 10 seconds to this video so your conscious intellectual mind can catch up with the trap your subconscious has already been sucked into. About three seconds into this experience, which has already done a number on you, even if you don't realize it, a bold kind of text appears on the screen in front of this strange, eerie, confounding frog. This is not a frog, it says. Your intellectual mind is finally given a single. Your intellectual mind is finally given a signal. A thought is planted in your head now as your eyes get wider and your body begins to become more alert, mouth watering for more information. What do you mean this is not a frog? What do you mean this is not a frog? This is all you have time to think before the video moves on. The video then says it's five people immaculately painted to look like a frog. As the frog disassembles into humans, two words are all you can muster inside your brain. Mind blown. Immediately, you share that video. No reason to wait. You need other people to see this. Then you go back to watching and see a howling wolf, so lifelike, again, made out of humans, and a blue fish under the ocean, again, made of humans. All this, while text on the screen adds context to the experience. 135 million views later, our 45-minute masterpiece's legacy was secured as the most viral piece of content that any of us on that team had ever been a part of. Did we know that this video would eventually rack up all those millions of views on Facebook? Hell no! Did we need it to rack up all those views based on the amount of time and resources we put into it? Nope. It was one of so many videos we created every hour of every day that was carefully prepared to have the potential to go viral. 
It followed our system. It had amazing footage, and it was ready to launch if the good people of the world were ready to hit that share button. And that's exactly the Tootsie Roll at the center of the Tootsie Pop of this program. With a battle-tested, proven strategy in place to prepare every single piece of video you create to go viral, you will win. They don't all have to blast into the atmosphere like Superman on a bad date, but you're giving them all a chance. And you don't need to sell all your earthly possessions to bring this video into the world. At the end of the day, the audience is going to be the one that decides. And when you learn from it, you can win in a big way. It all comes down to storytelling, and I've been lucky enough to have always had storytelling as a huge part of my life. When I first graduated from college back in 2004, I was dead set on directing theater for the rest of my life. I loved the power that stories had to help us reflect on our own lives. Most importantly, storytelling allowed me to get different perspectives on the world and the way individuals think and feel regularly. In our day-to-day -day lives, we don't do a lot of that. We don't take the time to reflect. And even when I was a young 22-year-old, I could feel the power at that time that storytelling had to make us understand what our humanity meant. So after college, I dropped myself in an apartment in Brooklyn, well, a room in somebody else's apartment in Brooklyn, if I'm being more accurate. From there, I started making connections, which led me to direct off-Broadway theater. This was one of the most exciting times of my life. I met amazing people, worked on some incredible pieces of work, and worked with amazing playwrights that were doing great things for the world and making people think and feel things that aren't possible in your average day-to-day -day life. Storytelling is not what you think it is, and perhaps my theater career early on is what planted the seeds for the respect I give storytelling now. Storytelling is not plot and it's not character. Plot and character are merely chess pieces in the game of stories. The real truth in storytelling is in the emotion it evokes and evokes through the power of empathy. Imagine getting slapped across the face hard by someone you loved. What would you feel? Shock, anger, deep sadness, pain? A single slap, a singular moment in my theater directing career is extremely telling of the power of empathy and emotion and storytelling. I carry it with me to this day as a visceral reminder of the power of storytelling. I was directing a little-known play by a well-known playwright, Christopher Hampton, called Treats. It was a tight-knit story with a cast of just three actors. The basic premise of the play was a love triangle between a woman, Anne, her angry ex-boyfriend, Dave, and her current lover, Patrick. Dave's sole purpose during the play is to win back Anne's affections and convince her that Patrick is a wet noodle, not worthy of her. At one point, Dave's anger comes to a head, and he slaps Anne across the face, much to her surprise and anger. We worked on this section over and over and over and over and over in rehearsals, desperately trying to get it right. No matter what we did, it always felt fake. Both to me, watching from the director's chair, and to the actors who were trying to give truthful performances up there on stage. The lead actor who was in charge of administering the slap heard around the world was doing a type of stage combat to make it work. Put plainly, he was not slapping her, but rather brushing his left hand in front of her face while swiftly raising his right hand to meet the left, resulting in that big slapping sound. It looked fake. It felt fake to both the actors and us, and the scene was just not working. And of course, not just any scene. This was one of the most pivotal scenes in the entire play, maybe the most pivotal scene. So one day, we decided to take an aggressive approach to fixing the problem. To be entirely honest, I don't remember whose idea it was at first. Perhaps it was me, maybe it was one of the actors, I'm not sure. But the idea was this. 
No more fake slap. This slap would be real. No fancy stagecraft, no special effects, no veiled claps masquerading as real violence. He was going to really slap her. Now, obviously, I had major hesitations about this idea. This was a violent moment. And made worse, it was violence against a woman. I had to first come to terms with the ethical dilemma of even trying to make it feel real in the first place. Not to mention talking to both the actors and actor deeply about the pros and cons of doing this for real. And if they felt comfortable with it. I remember this decision actually not taking that much time to make because both actor and actress felt it was exactly the right call. They felt that portraying that slap as realistically as possible would send the strongest message about how horrific this act actually was. They also felt that it would make their performances 10 times better viscerally, feeling that moment as it happened, leading to a truth in their performances that they had not been able to find, but they so desperately wanted. So... The slap was real. Even at 35 to 40% the force of a regular slap, when this moment happened on stage in front of a live audience, everyone audibly gasped. Every single time, they gasped. And they indeed felt shocked, angered, pained, and deeply saddened, just as our character on stage did. Storytelling, through its preferred conduit of empathy, was hitting home in a way that only reality could. The emotional identification was ratcheted up to a 12 on a scale of 10, and every single person left that theater feeling something. What I'm trying to illustrate here is the power of emotional storytelling through empathy, and what we are trying to do in our video content online is not so different than the emotionally resonant material we see on stage and screen. Make us feel something, and you will win us over. Eventually, the well I kept to fuel my theatrical passions ran dry, and I went looking for other outlets to take my love of storytelling to. I moved into the nonfiction world and found myself somehow submerged in the strange waters of 21st century journalism. I was lucky enough to get into one of the best journalism schools in the country, Syracuse University, very close to where I grew up. There, I learned how to be a TV journalist, which ultimately led me on the path that would define the rest of my life to this point. After Syracuse, I moved to Las Vegas and produced TV news for a couple of years. I learned a lot about journalism while I was producing TV news, but I also learned a lot about what I didn't want to do. And what I didn't want to do was build a career in a media platform that I honestly felt was dying. Our audience in television was getting older and older and older, and the whippersnappers turned to the internet, and we were left chasing ratings to boost revenue with shoestring budgets and a culture who was all but ready to toss the notion of live television in the trash can. This made most of us in the newsroom miserable most of the time, and I found myself trying to get out shortly after getting in. Don't get me wrong, live TV is extremely exciting, and that pressure can really kick up your endorphins and stress response. But it was generally a dreary time. It felt like everyone had their foot out the door all the time, including viewers. And while it's still a fantastic place for some people, it wasn't for me. I wanted to ride a wave that you could surf for decades, with an energy radiating positivity and excitement. So I worked really hard at that time to get into digital journalism. And luckily, I was successful when the wonderful folks at Business Insider took me into their fold. I taught myself Adobe After Effects, the most popular animation software, to get that job at Business Insider because I wanted to make my personal sales pitch strong. Even then, I had a sense for how to make the business model work. The pitch? Hire me and I will make highly shareable videos right from my desk using animation, and you never have to take the time and money to send me out into the field to shoot stuff. It must have been a fit because they brought me on board and turned me into a video producer, uh, and that role would change my life. I had a ton of success there creating video content. 
while most of my colleagues were shooting a lot of video, I would happily perch at my desk, putting the focus on telling stories through script writing and animated text on screen videos. And these videos blew up. It was actually an early template to the type of viral video I helped create later on in my career as I moved into leadership roles. I'm proud to have been one of the company's first video producers. They're now, there are now, I believe, hundreds. My big break came after two years on the job at Business Insider. I was asked to build and lead a brand new video team for New York Magazine, a top-flight journalism publication with millions of loyal, raving fans and a defined voice, at least in print. The company wasn't doing video in any meaningful way, and they hired me to do something about that. The team I built there drove billions of video views and went through a rather intensive process of discovering what the voice of video would feel like for a brand so defined in other mediums. I'm proud of what we were able to do there. My most memorable moment running the show at New York Magazine was not actually that aforementioned video that got 135 million views, but rather a trip to the star-studded Sundance Film Festival, an interview with a film icon, and another huge viral success. I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. Growing up, Steven Spielberg was my role model. I was infatuated with movies, particularly the fantastical Star Wars, Star Trek, Flight of the Navigator, E.T., Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Willow, all the things. So you can imagine my excitement when I found out I would be interviewing Mark Hamill at Sundance. Hamill, of course, is the film legend who played Luke Skywalker, maybe one of the top three film protagonists in the history of the movies. I was interviewing him in promotion of a film he was in called Brigsby Bear that was screening at the festival. So we spent the first 20 minutes with him and the cast talking about the film. About 18 minutes in, I said to Mark, okay, Mark, now I wouldn't be doing my job as an entertainment journalist if I didn't ask you about Star Wars. Of course, I assumed at that moment that Mark would very politely say, okay, and internally roll his eyes. That guy's gotta be sick of talking about Star Wars, I thought and I was about to put him through his own version of hell. I couldn't have been more wrong. Mark enthusiastically launched into the Star Wars conversation. I'm sure it helped that we were also months away from The Last Jedi coming out, so I guess there was a bit of press reason there, but I honestly felt that Mark's response was coming from a very genuine place. He had things to say, and I was giving him a chance to say them. To be honest with you, I can't even remember now what I asked the guy, because I don't think he answered exactly whatever I asked, that was fine, because what he talked about instead was far more interesting. Mark launched into a discussion of how he was convinced to rejoin the new movies after seeing that Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher had signed on. He told me that it occurred to him, if I don't do this, fans would be coming to my house with pitchforks. As you'll learn in later chapters, the way I conducted my interview with Mark was very carefully orchestrated in such a way that would allow me to get the most micro-content out of a longer interview. So I took note of all the interesting bits he said and made notes so we could turn them into their own little pieces of internet gold. That video on why he rejoined the franchise did well, but it wasn't the one that went viral. The video that went viral happened when Mark decided, still to this day, I can't remember how we got into this, <laughs> to voice his pointed opinions on how horribly Star Wars fans treated Jake Lloyd, who played young Anakin Skywalker in The Phantom Menace. That movie and this actor were eviscerated in the press and throughout the world. Mark spoke with the passion of two burning hot Tatooine sons. I can't believe the way they treated that boy, Mark told me. He was just doing what George told him to do. This was on the last day of Sundance, so the next morning I flew out heading back to New York City from my snowy perch in Park City, Utah. I spent that plane ride editing this footage personally. I did not want to wait to get this out into the world because I knew it was going to blow up. I remember thinking, 
Wait until Reddit gets a hold of this quote. This is going to put Vulture Video on the map. We published it shortly after I landed back east, and it did indeed go viral with millions of views both on Facebook and YouTube. Nailing that many views on YouTube is so difficult. This is hands down one of the most exciting moments of my career. Interviewing one of my heroes, his passionate response, and then turning it into viral content. Eventually, after a brief stint running video across the Rodale properties, Men's Health, Women's Health, Runner's World, etc., before they were sold, I moved on to Now This, the number one Facebook video news brand in the world. I was brought on to build a number of new lifestyle channels, bringing in what was now a relatively well-known track record for viral storytelling native to social media video. It was an awesome experience working with friends of mine who were pioneers in the world of online video. We drove billions of video views, told incredible stories, and worked on massive viral campaigns with the likes of Toyota, the NFL, and many others. Eventually, I decided to strike out on my own, which was honestly the best decision I ever made. I now own and run an amazing company with my business partner, Jamie Barber, a company that focuses squarely on video marketing called Guide Social. We build brand communities and get mass attention through the power of online video. So listen, dear readers, I know what many of you are thinking. Video is inherently difficult. The barrier to entry is huge. The privileged few of us that are born with the video gift are the only ones that can wade into the deep end of video content creation. Everyone else is doomed to a future of video ignorance and endless outsourcing. If you feel that way, I am here to tell you that it is a limiting belief. And I want you to commit right now to not perpetuating it any further. The real driving force behind creating video content that works is the editorial consideration and implementation you give to it. And to win at that, you need a system. It just so happens I created one of those, and it's what this program is all about. My goal is that by the end of this program, you have all the tools you need to start creating high-performing video content on a regular basis with very few resources, very little time, and with no prior experience needed in video production. If there's one principle, one thing that has permeated every single job, video scripts, and blogs that I have ever been a part of, made, written, whatever, it's that empathy always wins. So what is empathy? Empathy is emotional intelligence. Empathy is identifying emotion in another and further identifying that you felt that way too. Therefore, a common bond is established between the two parties leading to a built-in emotional resonance. Can you imagine anything more powerful than that? Empathy is the core theme of this book. And of course, I'm going to teach you so many strategies and give you so many tools to skyrocket any piece of content that you produce. But if you focus on empathy and you have a keen sense for it, you will realize that at the end of the day, you can always win when your heart is in the right place. Empathy drives shares. Shares drive views. Views drive businesses. That's what it comes down to. Long story short, you need to be judging yourself by how much your content is shared, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, carrier pigeon, whatever. If someone is sharing your content, it means that they identify with it in some way. And identification is the key to winning the internet. I'm going to spend this entire program teaching you how to tell stories on the internet through video with empathy. Even if you forget some of the tools, even if you lose some of the skills, if you just remember to focus on emotional identification, you will skyrocket. A lot of people, when they're trying to figure out how successful a video is on social media, they just look at the one metric to rule them all, views. And that makes sense. After all, it's a video and videos are meant to be watched. And when they get watched, they're viewed. I get it. But here's the thing. If we're truly trying to leverage some sort of virality in our videos, Views are more of a byproduct of what we want to achieve. 
At the end of the day, it all comes down to shares. Shares are our currency. Now, will more shares lead to more views? Of course they will. But it has everything to do with motivation and objective. If you're out there chasing views, you're going to make videos that feel very different than videos where you're chasing shares. And when your goal is shares, your goal is empathy. And empathy, as we've already learned, has the power to move mountains, both within the psychology of human beings and with the actual metrics that we see our videos deliver. People share things on the internet for a few reasons. They share them because they identify with them. They share them because they're blown away because they've never seen anything like it before. Or they share to give advice or pass along information to others. Now, in every single one of these examples, you'll notice that everything has to do with that person, the one that's doing the sharing, specifically the one that's reflecting on themselves and their own lives. And that's why they're sharing that material. This is why the internet is best treated as a mirror. People wanna see themselves in content. We'll get into this a ton more in the next chapter when we discuss empathy more deeply and how to bring it into your videos to create virality. Also, I'm gonna talk a lot in this program about how my strategies and processes for creating online viral videos has nothing to do with being a video expert. It's much the opposite. The video strategies I create can be enacted by anyone, especially with the tools we have available to us now. Simple software like Wave, Promo, others have made it more accessible than ever to make videos that look great and are suited for social media. I firmly believe that it's the story and the editorial process which is the heart of everything. You don't need to be an aspiring film director to be able to make viral videos online. You just need to have the editorial framework pinned down, a keen sense of empathy, and care about stories. I'm going to give you all the tools you need to create viral videos regularly. Our main avenue for exploring this toolbox is what I lovingly call the HERO system, an acronym I've given the system and process I've put together, refined, and tailored over my many years in online video making. The coolest thing about the system is that anyone can learn it and plug it into their video strategy right away to make their video content soar. We're going to go in depth into the HERO system in Chapter 2 and break down how to directly apply it right away. I also want to touch on some of the misconceptions that people have about virality in general. What I'm going to provide you with in this book will not make every video you create go viral. That's ridiculous. But what it will do, and what it's designed to do, is prepare every single video you create for the potential of virality. So we're not just throwing a bunch of stuff up on the wall and seeing what sticks. It's much more targeted than that. So every time we start making a video, we know that it has the potential to blow up. Otherwise, why would we do it? I'm gonna give you the tools in this book to make sure you're tackling the right video ideas and a framework for creating them effectively. But let me be clear, the internet is a crazy place and there's always just a little bit of luck that goes into this. It's a lot like playing poker, a game I love. There's so much skill involved in poker. It's about 60 to 70% skill and about 30 to 35% luck. And it's the same thing with online video, but I like those odds. What it means is that we have 70% of the agency in our videos to make them go viral, and then the other 30% is left to chance. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It's a lot better than just throwing a bunch of stuff up on the wall and seeing what sticks. But of course, that's why you're listening to this program. I'm so excited to take this journey with you and share with you all these secrets of how I make this viral video system work for businesses. I have so much to share with you, so many breakthroughs for you to have with tactics and secrets that I have kept private for far too long. It's time to get them out into the world and start getting everybody the online video victories they deserve. Let's get started. Okay, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Video Marketing Podcast. I hope you got value 
from that introduction. Of course, you can get the full book on Amazon right now. Just search for Producing Empathy and the audiobook. By the time you listen to this podcast, there's a very good chance that it's available. Uh, if not, it'll certainly be available in the next 24 hours if you're listening to this on Friday, March 13th. Have an amazing rest of your week. Let me know if you need anything. As always, you can email me at matt at guidesocialglobal.com and uh, looking forward to connecting with you soon.